Fearless Fundraisers. I'm Dawn Lego. It's time that once again to buckle up for a new episode of Raise Nation, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impact in our communities, building better tomorrows and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or seasoned pro, you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. Together, we'll dive into lively conversations and we're going to chat with industry leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore all those hot button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising. So let's get going. This is a special series of the Raise Nation um, podcast. It's called Raise Impact, where we do a lot of idea sharing. We talk to industry experts and consultants and thought leaders um, all about achieving fundraising success. So in this series, they share uh, thought leaders share the four all one one on a wide range of fundraising topics. So if you're a fundraiser, sit back, relax or not, and go ahead and get in that power walk, but listen to some expert advice that may come in handy to help you further your mission. So I'm super excited about my guest uh, today. Um, we've been longtime um, peers at One Cause, and I've had the pleasure to actually work with Kim um, when, uh, with my daughter's foundation years ago when we were exploring this idea of ambassador fundraising. So many of you who know me know my daughter, Alyssa, has um, her nonprofit, the Morgan Marie Michael Foundation. And I can't tell you how instrumental Kim was in helping us become really great online fundraisers and and this concept of DIY fundraising. So to have her on this uh, show and to share her expert advice with all of you, you're in for a ride. Kim, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. We made it to the end of January. So that yeah, feels like it's an end of January when we're yeah, it sure is. Uh, we're recording this episode at the end of January 2022. So um, a great milestone. Well, Kim, why don't you go ahead um, and give uh, let, let everybody know a little bit about you personally and what you do here at One Cause. Sure. So I have, um, well, first of all, I'm a mom of three kids. So that's always a, a kind of high up in my list. Uh, my husband and I live in a suburb of Atlanta. So I'm definitely a Southern girl. You'll hear that come through a little bit. Um, my kids are grown now. They're 18 to 24. My last one is a senior in high school. So we're kind of in a different phase of our lives. Um, but we uh, keep ourselves sane through the craziness of the last couple of years with, you know, walks and uh, yoga. And we've been binge watched a lot of TV. So that. Has oh, been, what's your uh, favorite? What are you binge watching? Because um, I need a new series to binge. You know, oh, well, we just finished a whole rewatch of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I, I love all of Mike Shore's um, Good Place uh, Parks and Rec. We did Brooklyn Nine-Nine. We've been on a PBS kick, so we're watching Grantchester, and we just finished the Durls of Corfu. Um, we watched the country music documentary Ken Burns um, about four times last year. So we have a real, he and I don't like the same kind of TV, so if we find something that we can agree on. Uh, Ted Lasso, big Ted Lasso fans here. Um, so I, I liked things that 
that are optimistic and happy. Oh, I'm with you. Yeah, me too. So that's what I enjoy about those. I like to be entertained at the end of the day. My husband tends to like to learn things. So he's like watching a lot of YouTube videos on how to do stuff. I like to just laugh. So that's my favorite thing at the end of the day. I'm coming to your house, girl. Popcorn, hot chocolate, and all the positivity we can get. Very cool. So what do you do here at One Cause? I mean, I know you've done many things, but lately you're so instrumental to our peer-to-peer customer and you've been so instrumental to me and Alyssa and our foundation. I want everybody to know what you do here. Sure. So I have been involved in our company back even when it was called BidPal. You know, 10 years ago, I started working at events. I had a son who was a middle schooler and he was 13 and he was a little annoying. If you've raised a 13-year-old, you know. Boy. <laughs> and and that's how I ended up working as, you know, working at events, just some extra money. I had a friend who who hey, I need to hire some folks. That's how I got started doing it. I loved working at events. I loved the energy. Um, I liked solving problems. Um, but as I got older, being out at events until like one in the morning. One in the morning. Saturdays, I have been there, done that. started getting hard. And I also was missing things. So when, um, when I had the opportunity to move over to a different role that freed up my Saturday nights, um, while I will always love those events, it was nice to just have a different focus and the peer-to-peer software, we, you know, that became part of our company about three years ago, a little more than three years ago. And I was the first consultant tasked with learning it. So that was a fun opportunity because it's a very different world, the online year-round fundraising world than event fundraising. And so it was just a whole different focus. You know, I was very comfortable. I have consulted I don't know how many hundreds of events and worked over 200 on site, Um, but now working in online fundraising, how is this different? So um, that's what I have just immersed myself in over the last three years. I worked really hard to learn about this world, watched a lot of TED Talks and attended virtual conferences. I just you could be a TED Talk expert. (laughs) That would be so fun. But I learned a lot, and I learned that this kind of fundraising is not the same always as a event fundraising. And I've become very passionate about the fact that I think every organization ought to be really taking a look at their online year-round fundraising. Because if we've learned anything in two years, we've learned you can't just keep everything in a ballroom because sometimes you can't get there. Okay. So why? So what you just made a very powerful statement and you know what I'm really afraid of, Kim, I'm afraid that people are going to hear this episode and your inbox is going to blow up with, you know, Kim, what about this? What about that? How do I do this? What do you think? All right. Come find me on LinkedIn. We'll chat. Okay. All right. So you just said a powerful statement there though, that it's different. Why? How? Give us a 411. So what's, tell us all about it. All right. So, I mean, I think, well, for my job, just in, you know, my job when I was consulting um, people on their events, our focus was really getting them prepared to put on this event. And we were very focused on everything we were focused on was leading up to one date. Um, on site, we were doing a lot of just general fundraising Um I think when you're dealing with event fundraising, I think a lot of your focus is on your big major donors. You know, you always want to sit them in the front and you want to make sure that you're really catering to those folks who are going to write you big checks. That's at least most of the events that I worked with. Um, and there were a lot. So you, you, you're you a resident I've expert been, to say that. Yep. Uh, okay. Yeah, a lot. And they're so fun. But I think events, those galas, they aren't really accessible to a lot of people. I 
don't have deep pockets at my own house. Um, I love these organizations, but to shell out a lot of money, you know, for these tickets to these fancy galas, that's not accessible to some of your supporters who love and really want to support you. Um, I also think that at an event, you only have a few people that are really um, getting to be your champions those nights. You know, you have those honorees and they'll have people who have benefited from your mission. But here's what I love about the online peer-to-peer -peer world is that you're really able to connect with a lot of supporters that wouldn't be able to maybe pay for a ticket to come to the ballroom. But you're also able to connect with these younger um, supporters who have this power on the internet to get your word out. Um, you also are able to um, acquire donors that you never knew you even could find because these these people that are are your champions, that are your supporters, that start fundraising on your behalf because they're helping you do your job. When in in the peer to peer world, they're creating a page, they're pushing it out to their networks, they're going out and finding new donors for you. Um, you have to help them learn how to fundraise a little bit. Not all of them are good at it. Some of them are, but then you're able to get those donors and you're able to cultivate that relationship with those donors, which is gold for you as a professional yeah. fundraiser. They're helping you do that. Um, and at events, I think you're limited to the donors who come and show up and maybe it's 300 people or maybe it's a thousand if it's a really large one. But the, the power of this online fundraising and promoting your mission online, you can reach people across the country that don't live in your community, but maybe their grandchild has benefited from something with your mission. And I'll tell you, grandparents, they're passionate. I have a grandson. Um, you also are able, I think this in the peer to peer world, you know, some of the research I'm finding that's really fascinating, and I think you have seen this in your own family as well. These Gen Z kids, they are philanthropic. They have a, a philanthropic heart that I don't think my Gen X generation did in the 80s. I'm thinking of my own life in high school in the 80s and 90s. I'm dating myself. I was not thinking about philanthropy. I really wasn't. Um, that came much later in my life, but I have a daughter who's a senior, as I mentioned before. You have a daughter who started her own nonprofit. I mean, these kids are thinking about making the world a better place. I just think differently than we did. I think they see yeah. the world and I and, and through all of these things that they're a part of, right? Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat. We're on Facebook, the kids aren't. Um, but they're able to harness those networks and help get the word out and 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 acquire donors for you. I'm really interested to see what this Gen Z generation, um, how they change nonprofits and how they change the fundraising, because I think there's always going to be a place for your major donors, your events, or things like that. But I I think that the future of fundraising is really in the hands of it's going to be the hands of these younger this younger generation. You know, we see these millennials and Gen Z's that they're they are um, contributing in much higher percentages than our generations were um, at the yeah, same age. So we and we I see think, that in some of our research studies here at yeah. One Cause as well. So, you know, while we may not be we may not have that generosity um upbringing that maybe the Gen Zers 
seem to have. So kudos to us for do, do, doing well, raising that, that we generation. Them, yes. Yeah. But I, I think that there's just a message that they can change the world. And of course you need yes. fundraising to change the world and it's natural for them. Right. You know, like, they do you find ask, that, is right? it, yeah, it's not, is that what you're seeing? Like, is that why we're telling the nonprofit about this concept of DIY fundraising? Like, well, let me, let me do a tangent real fast. Like I know in marketing, we talk about user-generated content, right? Like it's great when we say it at one cause, but it's really great when somebody else says it and it's their content, right? So it's the same thing when a nonprofit is fundraising. Okay. It's great. They're a nonprofit. What else would they do except fundraise, right? So (laughs) of course, but when somebody else is endorsing them in a way and fundraising like for them, um, power. Right. And, and, and is it working? And we're recommending that of course at one cause, but is it working because it's just so natural for that generation or what, what's the success? What, what do you attribute to this phenomenon? I think it's a generation. And then I, but I also think even the rest of us, we communicate differently than we used to, you know, think about your, I I remember being 16 years old and dragging that phone with the long cord that I had paid for. So I could talk to my friends after school and I'd go out on the porch. So my brothers didn't listen. You know, that was kind of how we communicated and you could communicate with one person at a time, unless you knew how to like get in a second person. And I, didn't. Um, but you look at these kids, they're communicating. And I think not just the kids, like I said, I mean, my mother-in-law is in her seventies. She texts more than I do. Uh, we're communicating with a lot more people. Um, I mean, through our phones, whether it's texting or whether it's, you know, posting something on social media, we just are able to uh, look, I think there's somebody said for quality, right? Like I'd still rather have a phone call with a friend, let's be honest, but just like the general kinds of, if something, if I'm passionate about something, if I want to share um, something that is important to me and I put it on social media, it just, it gets legs, you know, it yeah, finds more, a broader reach for faster. sure. And I, and I see this, I mean, I, you know, my birthday was a couple, a couple weeks ago and, you know, you, thank you. You see people that do birthday fundraisers, like in talking about DIY, that's become very popular on Facebook when it's coming up on your birthday, they say, Hey, do you want to fundraise on behalf of a nonprofit? Now, I think that has a place in the world. I'm not a giant fan of Facebook fundraising because Facebook holds your donor data hostage. And really as a fundraiser, you wanna cultivate that relationship with your donors. And so I love this concept of a supporter led DIY fundraising in that if you are communicating with people that have already shown some kind of interest in being a supporter. And a lot of times that's from some kind of online fundraising campaign um, or just your messages on social media, like they might follow you. You might not even know what their connection is, but when they can set up, say a birthday fundraiser, you suddenly find out some more of their story. Um, And those stories are powerful. Um, I think about, I mentioned I have a grandson. So he, um, he was born a year ago and he was 10 weeks early. Um, my daughter-in-law spent seven and a half weeks on bed rest in the hospital at a hospital here in Atlanta that is kind of known as the baby hospital. That's where you want to be if you're a high risk patient. So she, thankfully she had really good medical care. Um, she and my son had lost a baby the year before who was born too early. And so we have this little rainbow baby, right? Well, he was born 10 weeks early. Um, he is fine now. He is 
running around oh, wait, my house let's when he comes. A shout out, big shout out, so he could hear <laughs> that his grandma. What what's his name? Yeah, so his name is Ronan. So, Ronan. but I look back at the care that he received in the NICU and the care that my daughter-in-law received at this hospital. It it literally saved his life. And you know, we had had such a sad year before. So I I go and I look up this this um, hospital foundation because they have a program where they they um, gave my son and daughter-in-law, they cut them a check. Um, it's a fund for parents of kids in the NICU, just the ones that come that are making an effort to be there with their babies and to do all the things that the parents can do to try to help that baby, you know, get a good start. This program, they can apply for it. The, the, the hospital checks the boxes that these parents did these things to try to really help. And they got a check for about, I don't remember, it might've been $500 um, that help offset all of their gas and food and parking and all of, they spent 10 weeks or he was there, I guess he, he was 10 weeks early, but he spent about six weeks there, six or seven. That was a lot of time, but I appreciated this foundation that even totally. recognized. So you wanted like, to give back. You wanted to right, do something. It, right, yeah. it was just something little, right? It was little. And I thought that made such a difference in my kid. They're young parents. But that's a lot of, it was a lot of money to pay to just be able to be in that NICU. So I, yeah, I, it's something where if, if I could set up a birthday fundraiser and raise money for them, but here's what I did notice is they don't really have a great way to do that, to sign up. And I'm seeing this in my own life and I'm thinking, what other organizations are there that, that we love that we would maybe host a bake sale for, or, you know, I have this daughter who's a runner and um, she loves to find um, clubs on, or uh, challenges on Strava where sometimes nonprofits set up a challenge. And then as part of that challenge, you know, when you, when you do your number of miles or, or whatever, um, you could also donate on their behalf, just in finding those kinds of things. Sometimes though, becoming a fundraiser and Hey, I want to further your mission. It's not as easy as I, as we would like it to be. I'm talking in circles, but, um, no, I no, think- it's very valuable because as you're talking, I'm thinking, like, why not? Because if I, if I'm a fund, if, if I'm a nonprofit and it's a, it's a heavy lift to fundraise, right? It's a 365 job. You know, there's year end, there's giving Tuesday, there's, you know, mother's day, there's all holidays. There's, but if, if I could let my ambassadors do some of the lifting for me, why not? So I'm going to ask you that question. Why do you think that is? Is it, what's the barrier to entry of making something that probably, I mean, like, I don't know if you did or didn't end up doing a fundraiser for, for this hospital, or if you did, it was probably a lot harder, but if you didn't, you left money, they left money on the table with you. Really? What do you think the barrier of entry is? Is it just like, I don't know how to do it or I can't like, what, what's going on there? Come on. We have to get into the, into the mindset of these I fundraisers. I mean, I th- that's something I'm continually trying to kind of dig into. I haven't ah. done one for the hospital and there's so on it's website, left money on so, the table. So yeah. On that website, it says, if you were interested in doing it, you have to contact someone. Mm. And I'm like, I don't want to contact someone. I really just wanted to click a button that said click and I could set it up online because that's me. I don't really want to talk to someone. I don't want to have someone to call me back. I love the idea of I could go. It's kind of like to donate online. I can click donate and you can just do it because that's, that's just how I roll. I'm very 
digital that way. Why aren't folks doing it? I think that a lot of people think it's hard. One of our colleagues- Well, is it? Who, you're, you're a consultant for years so now with I, one. Is it hard? I think if you have the right tools, no. And I mean, I'm partial to our tools because it's what I live with day in and day out. But I think having an online tool where it's easy to set it up. We have a colleague that I that I just love. Shout out to Rich, Rich Dietz. He's so- Hey, brilliant. Rich. <laughs> and I, um, I heard him say on one of the webinars that he did is having a good, he says having a good DIY campaign that's evergreen, right? It's up all the time. It's like having an employee you don't have to pay. Which I really, when he okay, said okay, so this I is evergreen. So you're one and done. It. You set it up. So you create it and just leave it up. You've got to market it, right? You've got to help people find it. You've got to have it on your website where it says ways to give. Make sure that it, you know, there's a link there. But it, that someone like me could go on there and set up a fundraiser anytime during the year. I maybe I want to donate my birthday, or maybe you know Mother's Day is in May. Um, I lost my mom. Gosh, it's been four count. Oh, seven. I won't do the math. It's Monday, um, but it's been a long time. And so, so, you know, when it comes to holidays that are hard, there are times where we want to do something. So if I could just really quickly go to an organization that was near and dear to her heart, she was a teacher. Um, I could go there if I could click set up a fundraiser. I could just do a tribute campaign to my mom, but I don't really want to have to call someone. I don't want to have to email. I don't want to have to hash out like a story that's going to make me sad. But if I could just click, create a page, and then I could send it out to the people that I know loved me, love my mom. I am positive I could raise some money on their behalf, but I want it to be easy. So I think some people think it's hard. I do think there's an investment of time to set one up and put it together the way you want to do it. But once you get it up, there's not a lot of maintenance, really. It's marketing it. It's reminding people it's there. Maybe you're ask, answering some questions, but choose a tool that is easy for your supporters to use, right? You want something user-friendly. We know donors always tell us we want things to be easy. We want to be acknowledged when we make a donation. We want to know what you're doing with our money. I think for supporters, fundraisers, we also- Wait, 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 let's do that again. What was that What was that trifecta that you just said? Sure. We want so it to be easy. Wait, easy. I got to get that again. Yeah, easy. Yeah. We want it to be, we want to be acknowledged. So donors just want you to say thank you. Doesn't okay. have to be like, you don't have to send them like, a jacket or a t-shirt, just a thank you of some kind. And they want to know what you're doing with their money. So that's on the donor side, right? We know that that drives donors. Those are three okay. things that are research. You know, one cause did that research a couple of years ago. I say, I say that to someone every day. Supporters, fundraisers, what do they want? They also want it to be easy. easy yeah. And I think in the world we live in, most people want that to be online. I mean, that's just where we're living. That's how I'm going to communicate to my aunt across the country or my college friend who lives in Washington or even to my community nearby. That's how we, that's how your donors want to donate. Generally, I don't want to have to go find an envelope. I don't even know where a stamp is. I'd have to dig out and find my checkbook. Like that's many barriers yeah. right there to me. Yeah, my if mom had to give me on... stamps for Christmas because I didn't. <laughs> she gave me a roll of are. stamps, a little box inside was a roll of stamps. I was like, oh, maybe now I'll know where the stamps are. <laughs> what if I can just use my phone really quickly to 
navigate to a website or click a link. If someone is fundraising and they send me a text that says, hey, Kim, come support my campaign, click here. I can click it, donate it. I can be done in about two minutes or less. If I can use Apple Pay, I'm even happier because I don't have to go find my credit card. Um, that's fantastic. So wow. I think setting up some kind of campaign that makes it easy to set up a page. I don't have to have some kind of IT degree. I don't have to be a web designer to be able to just set up a simple campaign with, this is Kim's birthday fundraiser. I can tell you if we're using the hospital foundation as an example, I could tell you the story of my grandson, why I love this hospital foundation and the impact they made on my family. Um, and maybe we do it for his birthday. You know, that would be a great fundraiser for Ronan's birthday in August. I am positive that my, our friends and family would donate. Now, are we going to get major gift donors out of that? Maybe, but I think more likely you're going to get more small donations and people they that you up? can cultivate. Well, that's like you get those people and then you can cultivate that relationship. Yeah. I have donated to other people's campaigns just over the years. Um, and then I'm on their mailing list. You know, I get their emails or whatnot. And I learn things about that organization I never knew before. And so suddenly I am donating more often, or maybe I become a recurring donor all from that $25 donation I made to my friend who was raising money for, you know, yeah, I mean, but with a Facebook birthday. fundraiser, that doesn't happen. Right. Uh, Cause I know I have donated to plenty of Facebook fundraisers and, you know, nothing, we all love Facebook, right. Uh, you know, we're not, we're not taking down it's free any, any money. essentially yeah, it's yeah. free money. We'll take their money. But I have no idea, right? When I donate, I don't get recognition. I don't get a thank you, nor do I get any information about the impact. There's no follow-up. There's no, right. so, you know, I, sometimes I don't know, gee, did they get the money? Like I, ha you know, and then I'll see like right. months later a post, oh, we raised, you know, $300 right. on a fee. Oh, okay. I, I guess, I guess they must've gotten it. Right. But I'm done at that point because I, I haven't been cultivated. I haven't been nurtured. I haven't been really converted to, um, you know, a recurring type donor. So, um, those are definitely the tools that you want to look for when, when, when you're looking for tools to yeah. try to put together your own that DIY donor journey. It, it's just priceless, you know, because you just don't know. I mean, there are stories I've heard other, you know, fundraisers, uh, fundraising professionals tell stories of someone that was a $25 donor and then became a recurring donor. And, you know, they, they leave, um, a, a legacy gift to that organization when they pass away. I mean, you really don't know um, what's going to come from one of those donors from a, a, some kind of peer-to-peer -peer fundraiser. Set up that campaign, you know, have a lot of um, opportunities for folks to fundraise in kind of whatever it is they're good at. You know, I... Um, I mentioned a birthday fundraiser, but you know, there's other ideas. You, when we did this employee engagement campaign in the summer, we had a colleague who is a yoga instructor. So she set up a yoga in the park and had a, do, a, a suggested donation to attend. Let's say it's 20 bucks to go. Okay. I enjoy doing yoga. Not sure. I want to go do it in the park, but for a fundraiser, I might. So $20, I go do yoga. I have a good time. Um, my friend who, you know, this colleague who was fundraising, I think she raised close to a thousand dollars. Was that here that at, at, at one it was in Indy. It was in Indy and you and I don't live there in Indy, but it was part of Indy Tech Gifts. Um, oh, she well, was able well, to yeah. just, but if that's what you're good at, not everybody wants to ask people for money, right? That, that, this is not everybody's cup of tea. But if you're good at that, I have a friend who is an incredible baker. 
I use this example a lot. My friend Holly is an incredible baker. And hey, Holly. Cinnamon rolls Ooh. that people mm. love. Yum, um, yum. They are so good. If she set up a, a fundraiser for an organization she cared about and said, listen, I'm going to bake cinnamon rolls and they're going to be $30 a pan. You make a donation of $30. I'm going to bring you cinnamon rolls and that's going to go to this organization I'm raising money for. Everyone I know who knows Holly would do that because we love Hey, Holly, I'll rolls. buy a pan. That Sounds much. delicious. Sounds right? yummy. Yeah. But okay, but she's not just flat asking people for money, as we yeah. say. That's more of a Southern thing to flat do something. But she is doing something that is, she just likes to bake. So bake. And then that money is, is rolls up, rolls up in her campaign. If you have an actual online tool, I don't have to like Venmo Holly or write her a check. I could just donate right on her page. And then she brings me, you know, yummy the, the cinnamon rolls. The cinnamon I, roll, uh, we, yeah. we have a client, another one that I share with, um, I can't remember. I think this was on many versus cancer. That's just a cool um, DIY page. Oh, they do a great job with DIY fundraising. Many so they had cancer. someone that set up a personal event. So that's another thing where people might host a little event. I mean, you could do like a backyard barbecue or you could do um, a dinner party with friends. This, this guy, apparently, <laughs> this is a bit of my ignorance. I didn't realize there were professional pickleball players, but apparently there are. Um, and this guy had a professional pickleball exhibition someone who was a pro pickleballer came to their country club and he took there were it was a donation to attend and to come to the club to watch this exhibition i the guy made he raised thousands of dollars doing really like this wow so sometimes if you know someone that can do something and you can set up an event and let's but this is not something the organization had to plan this is just this guy who knows the pickleball guy and just, he did it himself so with diy fundraising as an organization you're not in charge of these events you're not the one that's having to go set it all up it's just people being creative with their own things you well, know all right i gotta ask you something let me play devil's ad i mean my wheels are spinning i have all sure. kinds of like i so many things that are going through my head two things that are really important so the first i'm going to play devil's advocate are you wor worried or have you seen should is there a pause for concern with my brand, right? Like, like, you know, I, I know even my very small grassroots, you know, organization, well, my daughters, you know, we still try to have like, you know, brand restrictions and, you know, pickleball sounds fun, but you know, what if this guy's off and running with maybe images or verbiage, or is there any concern about have you seen, should there be any pause about, oh my God, what is that person going to be doing? You know, that might hurt the brand. What are, What's your thoughts there? I really think those are fringe cases, honestly. I, I mean, I, I really think, and this is just, this is the world according to Kim Hall, maybe not everybody else. I think most people are actually good. I truly, in my interactions with people just day to day, I think the goodness in people overpowers a lot of other things. I think when push comes to shove, I think people are good. Because we don't hear apples? about the good on the evening news. We only hear about right. the drama. Atlanta, so right? of like, course, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of trouble in the world, for sure. I choose to believe most people are good. I'm I choose with you. to think most people that are supporting a nonprofit are doing it in a positive way. Now, I think that it could be a fringe case. I do think as an organization, you keep an eye on those things. Um, you know, if you saw something that you wanted to take down, I think you probably could just, you know, take it down. Maybe you have some guidelines for your fundraisers, but I do think most people are good. And I try to plan 
things like fundraising around the majority, not the French cases. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just think if you start going, I, I used to be a teacher. <laughs> if you start going of all the what ifs, what if they do this? What if they do that? I mean, you'll drive yourself crazy. Yeah. Um, but I do think that you do have, you know, if you do have, um, when I'm working with a school, for example, um, one of the things that our software does is, is like Twitter, for example, will listen to listen to a hashtag. We have social listening on Twitter. I encourage them to really go and search the hashtag they want to use on Twitter to be sure no one else is using it because you don't want questionable content, especially when you're in a school with children coming into a timeline. So I do think you can do some, you know, due diligence up front to try to recruit the right people <laughs> to be your fundraisers. And also that, you know, there's an understanding of, of what you expect. You can, I mean, we could talk about this all day long, but I do think when you are setting up some kind of DIY campaign, you want to create, you want to invest. So, so I think you need some time to invest in putting together this campaign. So it looks nice and it's on brand. I think you also need to invest a little bit of time in some participant tools, some fundraising resources, because these people aren't professional fundraisers. Have some sample emails, have sample social media posts that are words that you've wordsmithed that are on brand for you. Even um, like a kit. Graphics. Uh, yeah. yeah. Some kind Almost of kit, kit. toolkit. You know, yeah. have some social media um some graphics that they can just pop on their Instagram page, they can pop on Twitter so they don't have to reinvent the wheel. So you can control some content that way. I mean, people can go and post their own thing, but I think a lot of people really like having um, some suggestions. And so I think in that toolkit, you know, share what your mission is, share your vision for this, this campaign um, and what it is that you really are trying to accomplish. Um, and I think nine times out of 10, or maybe nine and a half times out of 10, I think they're going to come through for you and they're yeah. going to really help do that. But there is, that is an investment. You know, you asked me earlier about barriers and I think every nonprofit is strapped for time. Every nonprofit is probably a little understaffed, especially right now. Um, and so there is an investment in putting it together the first time, cultivating, you know, this toolkit. There are resources out there for those things. You know, I know we have some partners who will help you put that together. You know, there are professionals, if you want to invest some money into really having someone help you put that together, they're, they're out there, but you do it once for, for a DIY campaign. Yeah. You probably don't have to do it to that scale year after year. You can reuse it. You can see what other people are doing and borrow some of their ideas. I mean, that's like when I was a school teacher, that was like the first law of school teaching, you know, teaching my, my friends would say, you don't reinvent the wheel. If someone else does something and you like it, you borrow their idea. Like that's Co fundraising. Yeah. Don't you feel like it's the same way? Copycatting is good. Yeah. Whatever Make it your own. You and if you see someone has some cool resources, I think that, you know, these people are willing to fundraise for you, but they may not know as much about your organization, obviously, as you do, or they may not even know as much about whoever recruited them to help them, you know, to help you fundraise. So having something for them that's on brand, you know, this summer when we did our, our employee engagement campaign, um, I did not know much about the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention before we did that campaign. And they had a resource page. For Indie Tech Gives, you mean, right? That, Correct. For right. Indie that's Tech what is. One Cause raised money for. Yep. 
And they had a, a, a resource resources on their website that did have those social media, just the cutest. I mean, they were so, I mean, they were so good. I those graphics. Yeah. And it was so easy for me to pop those on my socials and share them. It didn't take much work for me. And what does that tell me as a participant? Oh, I want to do more of this because it's easy. Yeah, of course. We want things well, to be easy. And I think we that's have, where um, setting it up of- carefully we have a couple of ebooks easier. on our website from Ephraim Gopin, who um, talks about, you know, the um, the W's of social media and 11 commandments of engagement. And he touches on that exactly what you said, like research your hashtag, you know, and and things of that nature. So there's plenty of resources out there, although. As Kim's saying, you know, we need to invest a little time setting it up right. There, there's definitely you're not alone, right? Like Ephraim's ebooks are amazing with the whole social media do's and don'ts. So um, there's ways to help you get to this social kit that we need. You know, it's probably important to develop and makes life easy for you and for uh, your donors. Um, all right, I want to move to another uh, another topic, Kim, because my wheels are spinning. You know, we talk about Mother's Day and Father's Day and birthday and anniversary campaigns and that sort of thing. But some of us want to tap into the power of our company match programs, right? Many, many people across the world work for a company that are also generous and have corporate social responsibility programs and and employer match programs. Am I off base here? But help me understand is 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 there a way to tap in? Because now we're doubling donations, right? Now we're taking one dollar raised and making it, you know, two. Is there a way to incorporate that whole match world into this DIY fundraising? Or am I off base here? Enlighten me. No, I I love that thought. Um, we partner with two companies that do just that. They're oh, very tell good me. at that. Let's, yeah, one is called Double the Donation. They're based here out of Atlanta. So shout oh, out to shout Atlanta out to Double folks. Donation. Double the okay. Donation and Amply. So those okay. are two that our software will integrate with. Like we have So it's an integrate. So it's right in our software. Correct. If you if you with the one cost software, if you have an account with either of those two companies, those two softwares, um, you can enter your credentials into our software and then every campaign you ever run through the one cost software, they your your donor will type in their employer and then that software, double the donation or amply, they go and search for a match, their database for that match. So I would definitely check out companies like that um, to see if they can help you. Organizations that I know who've used services like that, they tell me it's just found money. It's money that see, they weren't yeah, finding. Okay. And, and those softwares right do way. have a cost involved. And they said, it's worth it to us because it's money we didn't have. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's found money for us. My husband worked for AT&T for a long time back in the day. They had a matching program, but I would forget about it, you know, mm-hmm. when we were when we were donating. And I think that I'm not alone in that. I think we forget sometimes. So using um, a service like that, I really think it's powerful and helpful. And it's going to save you time as a fundraiser. So you're not having to go hunt that down, doing the paperwork, finding it. Getting, I mean, I just I think there are um, let's make technology work for us. And I think that they do a really good job with those. I am not a salesperson. I get nothing from if, if you go look at them. Let me just say that as a disclaimer, they're just two um, two softwares that I've seen that do a really good job at that. So, uh, you know, talk about 
leaving money on the table. So in your particular case, if your husband still worked at AT AT&T and, you know, everything timing was aligned with your grandson, you could have very easily done a fundraiser on your grandson's birthday and then capitalized on that by doubling it through, you know, the avenue of double the donation or amply. And wow, like this is really snowballing for sure. Well, and I think just regular matches as well. I mean, that's something else that we see just really um, drives fundraising in any oh, tell kind me, of peer-to-peer tell me, tell me, campaign. Tell me. So any kind of peer-to-peer, <clears throat> excuse me, campaign like, you know, 5K to just a board fundraiser or DIY, um, in our, I can only speak for our software, right? I don't know what everybody else does. So if I, mm-hmm. if I seem a little one cost centric, I hope you're you know, okay with that listeners, but um, <laughs> we do have a feature where you can enter a match. So let's say you have a donor that has given you a large donation and has says, yeah, you can, you can leverage this as a match. That's what we do with fundraisers. So you can take this, let's say you have a $20,000 donation and they said, let's use it as a match for this campaign. Um, you can enter it in our software with some parameters that maybe it's a time-based, it's going to be this one week of, of a campaign. I love having a match maybe midway through a campaign when things get slow, people sign up, you know, for, for a fundraiser, they're really excited about it. And then you know, they forget about it. And then yeah. if it's leading there, up to say an event like a 5k, well then towards the end, they, Oh, they get excited again. Um, I think any kind of fundraiser has a lull in the middle. Um, and so a match is a way that you can um, generate some urgency with your donors. If I go to a site to donate and I see a pop-up or some kind of announcement saying this week, your donations are going to be matched, I'm more likely to actually finish that donation than saying, oh, I might come back next week. Well, no, I want the nonprofit to get double what I'm donating. So I think marketing a match, I mean, I think there there really is some marketing involved where you wanna let people know that that's there, Um, but it's a way that you can get some urgency with your donations. And then if I'm a participant, what's the incentive for me? Well, at least with our software, I get credit for those matches on my thermometer. So if I bring in a donor the week of a match and they donate $100, I actually get two that shows on my thermometer because I got a donation during that match period. Um, it is in, it's an incentive for me as a, as a fundraiser to go out and work a little harder that week to try to get some donations. You know, I can tell my network, hey, matches are, there. there are matches this week. So like, you know, come and donate because the organization is going to have this power. It's just an incentive. Donors like to feel good, right? They like people give to people. We know those principles of the psychology of, of philanthropy and they want to feel like they're doing the maximum amount of good that they can do. And so it feels good to say, Oh, I donated a hundred, but the organization got two. So I think Matt, I think every campaign ought to have at least one match. Now, if you have a match every single week, all the time, eh, that's probably diluting it. Yeah. I do think it, you know, it's exciting. And I think it's exciting to see that go in incrementally. Um, and really strategically figuring out with your your campaign when is the right time for that match. You know, sometimes it's in the middle. I've seen some people do it at the beginning to try to jumpstart. I've seen folks do it at the end if they're trying to like get to a goal, like we're almost there. So I think that's where you use your fundraising expertise to wow. uh, to figure out when it makes the most sense for you. So many great ideas. I can't believe that we've 
consumed a full half hour already. Um, I can talk to you uh, forever. Yeah, we sure could. (laughs) And I know you've helped me so much, um, you know, in in Alyssa's foundation. So um, you're just good at what you do. And we love having you. We're very, very lucky to have you here as are all of our fundraisers and all of our our customers. So I think what I'm saying here is I'm going to have to have you back for a part two. Are you up for that? Yeah, let's see. I would love to see, like, you know, I think there's probably places you can leave comments or, you know, to, to send us some feedback. I'd love to hear more of what people are curious about. And, and uh, we just want to, we really, I mean, truly at the core of what we do, Dawn, I think it's why you work in this industry. And so do I, we want to help organizations further their missions. And we don't just say that. Um, when I hear customers telling me about their missions and, and why they got involved in this, I mean, it's, it's often that I, you know, get teared up during the day um, because they're just so passionate. I love what they're doing, what these fundraisers are doing. I just want to help them. I want to help them make it easier and I want to help them be able to use their, their time on things that really matter in the mission and let's make the technology be easy. But I, I just really we want people to, we want to make the world a better place and we can well, only that do comes that right from our CEO. donor at a time, right? Yep, that really. Co- and not just saying that, like truly that's why I do what I do. I could be yeah. doing a different job, but everyone like here at one cause, people, I think. Yep. Let's help people make it better. And we can, we can control that. We can't control a lot of things right now, but we could at least try to control the little communities that we're part of. Yep. And that, you know, that message comes right from our CEO, right? Let's build better tomorrows together. So, well, I think that's all we have time for. So I'm going to turn to our audience, fearless fundraisers. That's it. I know it went by fast, but thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's Raise Nation topic and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. Tune in for a new episode release every Thursday at 1230 p.m. Eastern time. That's Thursdays, 1230 p.m. Eastern time. In the meantime, be sure to listen to all the episodes of Raise Nation Radio. Follow the channel that gives you those notifications about our new guests. We're on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Google Podcasts. We're also on demand at Raise um, on, on our Raise website and as well as OneCause.com. Fundraisers are doing amazing things to build better tomorrows for our communities. That's what Kim and I have been talking about. Um, stories are just inspiring, and you won't want to miss a single episode. I would like to thank our sponsor, OneCause, for making this episode possible. OneCause is driving the future of fundraising with easy-to-use software solutions that help nonprofits connect with their donors. Be sure to check us out on OneCause.com and visit the resource tab on our homepage for a broad catalog of eBooks and different resources that you'll find helpful. We mentioned too right here today, Ephraim Gopin on uh, social media engagement and the do's and don'ts. Be sure to check that out. So huge shout out once again and great thanks to my guest, Kim Hall, for sharing uh, your expert and authentic voice. Thank you, Kim, so much. You're going to have to come back again. I hope you enjoyed being with us today. This was so fun. Thank you, Don, for inviting me. Yeah, well, I enjoyed our conversation too. Um, so um, we can, of, of course, reach uh, Kim on LinkedIn. You heard her say that earlier today. So don't be shy. Um, again, Kim, thanks. We'll let you get back to your day job. But for now, that's a wrap. Until next time, I'm Don Lego, and this is Raise Nation Radio. Stay fearless out there. One Cause is the proud sponsor of Raise Nation Radio and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration.